How's everybody doing? Anybody enjoy the nice day yesterday? Thank you, Lord. It's good. You guys good? I'm, I'm, I'm processing here. <clears throat> I was thinking in worship how beautiful it is and what Pastor Jake was talking about, how we minister to the Lord. And that is part of our identity. Part of who you are is a minister to the Lord. Part of what we do, that song, His Breath is in Our Lungs. His breath is in our lungs, and we, we are required. Say required. We are required to praise Him. It's a requirement of heaven because the one of heaven lives inside of you. So you are required to give him praise, not because you feel like it, not because it's Sunday morning or Saturday night, but it's a requirement because you are a daughter and a son of the creator who lives inside of you. It says that if you don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. I don't know about you, but I don't want no rock crying out to my God. Amen? So we are required to praise him. We are required to worship him. And I was reminded of a, of a vision that I had in Argentina. And we were, I was at a women's conference, and I was, I was it's, everything is in Spanish there. And because I speak Spanish so fluently, while they were, I don't speak Spanish fluently. But during worship, because I don't understand what they're singing, I just, you know, would pray in the spirit or I would just kind of, you know, stand there. And I, I had this vision. And as they were worshiping, it was really, really beautiful. And I had my eyes closed and I saw, I saw the father stand up, from his, stand up from his throne. And he had this kind of like this bowl pitcher looking thing. And as we were worshiping, it was like he was collecting all of those, those things. And then he was pouring it right back out. And it was just like Pastor Jake said, it was like we, when we minister to him, he pours it right back on us. If you can envision a glass of water, two glasses, an empty glass, and a full glass. The full glass is our praise and worship, and as we're pouring it into him, he takes it back and he pours it right back over us. So when we say, we love you, Jesus, we love you, Jesus, he says, I love you, Mark. I love you, Jenna. I love you. you guys, get that? When we praise, he pours right back out on us. Isn't that just beautiful? So he deserves all of our praise, and he says, you deserve all of his love. Amen? Do you know that it is our pleasure to worship him, and it is his pleasure to pour out his kingdom upon us? Isn't that amazing? That you sitting right here in this room and watching online, you bring great pleasure to your, your daddy God. If you didn't listen to Jake's message last night, Jake, um, thank you. Bradway, I was going to say Lazar, but I was like, no, it was not Jake last night. It was the other Jake. We should give you guys different names like JB and JL. Okay, JB, JL. Okay, so JB last night, he preached an amazing message on value, on how God values us and how we are valued and we are valuable. And I believe that most of the church lives their life on how, what we believe. Wouldn't you agree? Joan of Arc said this. She said, the, the bad, the, how did you say it? I got it in my notes. Help me, Amy. The battle is first won. The battle is, is won or lost first in the mind. The battle is first won or lost in the mind. This is where the battle begins. If I believe it, then I will live it. And what I have come to understand is that most of us believe more lies than we believe truth. Therefore, we live out lies thinking they're truth. You guys tracking with me? 
Because what I believe, I live. So I need to believe who God says I am. I need to believe that I'm valued. I need to believe that I am a true worshiper. Imagine how you would worship if you actually believed that you are a true worshiper, that you are bought by the blood of the lamb, that you are destined to be in heaven and from heavenly places. Imagine what it would look like. You cannot stay quiet when you believe that the spirit of the living God lives and dwells on the inside of you. That's why sometimes you just can't help but worship and dance and shout in church. You ever get that? Where just like, I just, I gotta do something. We need that awareness and that revelation, right? So that we can believe it, so that we can live it. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Amen. I was reading a scripture this morning in Habakkuk 2.14. I was going over my message and the Lord really put, put this word on my heart, this verse on my heart. And it says, Habakkuk 2.14, it says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. For as the water, how many believe the word of God is truth? How many believe that if the word of God says it, that it's truth and that it will happen? So this verse says that as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled in the NLT, the New Living Translation, it says, will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. Joel 2.20 says this, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I had a, a, a vision when, remember when COVID, you guys remember that? I know it was so long ago. It's like, phew, remember it. But remember that when we couldn't come in the building and you couldn't get together and you couldn't like touch people and you remember all that? Seems like a nightmare, right? Well, it was a nightmare, but we woke up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But anyways, that was before people could come in the building and we were, you know, recording and I was sitting right over there and we were in worship and I had my eyes closed and I was really um, I was really mourning not having the people here. It was the weirdest thing, worshiping up here, and there's no people. I mean, you want to talk about the enemy trying to shut down the church, right? But who won? Who is the victory? Who is victorious? The church is victorious. Hallelujah. Anyways, I'm sitting over there, and I had this vision, and it was like I was in outer space, and I saw the earth. And it was just, you know, the earth, how it looks in a picture, you know. So it was like that. And I looked over, and Jesus was right there. And I looked over, and it was just like he did like this. And it was like these, you know, slow motion because I was in outer space. And it was just like these little flecks, you know. And it was the coolest thing. And all of a sudden, when I looked back at the earth, it was covered in gold. And I believe what he was saying is, don't get discouraged because my glory is going to fill the earth. And I believe this. This is what I believe. According to the scripture, it says the, the glory, we will be filled with the awareness, say awareness, awareness of his glory. Could it be that his glory is already here? Could it be that his Holy Spirit is poured out and we're just not aware of it? Could it be that the enemy is using distractions, weariness, and all of the other things that we've been plagued with? How many have been plagued in the last couple of months with stuff? Distractions, weariness, disappointment, discouragement, anybody? Yes. Could it be that those are distractions from keeping us being aware of his glory and his presence right here? I don't know about you, but I'm tired 
of being distracted and not being aware of his glory. The Bible says that his glory is upon me. It doesn't say that it's gonna come upon me, it says that it is upon me. So I'm just not aware that his glory is on me. So I need to make my, myself aware that your glory is right here and right now. You ever, you ever get in the presence of God, you ever try to, you know, you get there and you're gonna like read your Bible or you're gonna do something and then something happens and you remember something, you gotta get up and go do something or you're like, or am I, is my brain the only one that does that? Like you, you remember everything that you forgot when you sit down to read the word of God. Like if you want, if you want, mem if you want to retain your memory, then sit down and try to have time with God. It's like you remember everything. It's like, oh, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. I gotta go, I gotta, I forgot to have the laundry, right? It's the most craziest thing. But those are distractions from keeping us from the glory of God. Amen? Whew. Well, I get a little hypey sometimes, Dick. I only had one cup of coffee this morning, so thank you. You're welcome. I mean, you're welcome. I should see. See what happens when, yeah, I should have had two cups. Anyways, one of the words I believe the Lord has been speaking to me, and I really feel like it is a word for it right now, is this word transition. Anybody know what the word transition means? When I, when I think of the word transition, I automatically, my brain goes to, um, you know, like in your house, you have those transition strips that you put down so that it's kind of like, hey, don't trip over this because you're going into another room. That's whatever. I never could figure out why those transition strips were there. So when we built our house, I'm like, I don't want any of those transition strips. So I'm like, so Ben's like, sure, we can do that. So did it. So you can just walk with your feet like this. And you don't trip over the transition, you know? You just, like, you can just glide over it. It's not the reason I did it, but anyways, whatever. Okay. If you've never heard me preach before, once in a while I go on rabbit trails, but I always get back eventually, okay? The word transition means, I looked it up, and it means this. A change or shift. How many know that shift is happening? Do you guys feel the shift that's happening? 100% there's shift. So the Lord said transition. He didn't use the word shift this time, but he used transition. Look it up. It's the same word. So cool. It's a change or shift from one state or place to another. Then I looked up synonyms. I looked up words that mean the same as transition. You want to know what they mean? What those words are? It's pretty cool. Shift, transformation, metamorphosis. I love that word, metamorphosis. Say metamorphosis. metamorphosis. You just sound smart saying it, right? It's like, it's like a big word, metamorphosis. 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 It's like, you ever go to Quick Trip to get gas? You get gas at Quick Trip, and all of a sudden, the thing pops up, and it's like, word of the day. I'm like, it's like, you don't have to go to college, kids. Just go get gas at Quick Trip. It'll save you a boatload of money. You'll learn a word for the day, and you're going to be smarter than if you paid thousands of dollars to go to school. Okay. Okay, let's get back to the message, because it's really good. Synonyms, shift, transition, metamorphosis, and adjustment. 
This is a word I believe for today. Say today. He is doing something today. Say today. Say present. We often think about what he's done and we often wonder what he's going to do. But a lot of times we are not present in what he's doing today. I'm, I, I am speaking truth here. We always remember what he did, right? We, rem, we, we pray and we can't wait for what he's going to do. But he says, how about I'm doing something new today? Let's be present today. Isaiah 43, 16, 19. It says that I am the Lord who opened up a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. They drowned their lives and snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Verse 18, it says this, but, say but. but. Forget all that. Forget all that. For because it is nothing compared to what I am going to do. It is nothing compared, say compared, to what he's going to do. See, we try to put God into a box thinking that what he's going to do is going to look like what he did. And so we keep him in a box waiting for him to do something. And he's like, if you are aware, I'm actually doing something now. Hello, 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 you guys, you guys awake? Did you guys have your coffee this morning? Just say metamorphosis. There. This wakes you up, metamorphosis. Makes you feel so good when you say that, right? Don't you feel good when you say it? Right, Mark? Yeah, see, metamorphosis. <laughs> Just a minute, I'm having a moment. But forget all of that because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Verse 19, for I am about to do something new. He says, I'm about to do something new. And then he says this. See, I have already begun. Do you see it? Say, do you see it? Do you see it? Are you aware of his presence? Are you aware of his glory now? Hallelujah. I believe sometimes what keeps us from shifting is we're staying in the past. What he did becomes the standard or how things should look. But a new thing is something that we've never experienced before. Amen? If something is new, then what am I going to compare it to? You can't compare it to anything because it's new. Right? Oh, thank you, Lord. We should honor and remember what he did. We should steward what he is doing. And we should shift our mindset for what he's going to do. I believe that what keeps us sometimes from what he's going to do is right here in the mind. Remember the battle is first lost or won in the mind. It's shifting in a different way of thinking. Satan cannot stop God from moving. You guys got to hear that. 
He cannot stop God from moving. He can't stop his glory from being poured out. So he distracts the kids, his children, from being aware of his presence. Do you guys hear that? The enemy cannot stop a move of God, nor can he stop you from experiencing the glory of God. But what he wants to do is keep us distracted so we're not aware of God's presence and his glory. But you know what? We got it figured out, right? We've got it all figured out. Isaiah 43, it said, let's forget about those things because it's nothing compared to what he's going to do. He is the plumb line. God is the plumb line. God is sovereign. He is king. He is Lord, and he will do it his way. Right? Tell yourself that. It's his way, not your way. Who's the guy that sang the song? I did it my way. That didn't work out. What's his name? I thought it was Elvis Presley, but it was not Elvis Presley. It was Frank Sinatra. But Elvis Presley sang it. He did sing it, and I thought Elvis was pretty cool. And I thought he did a pretty good job on it. But it didn't do them any good because doing it your way never works. If you guys haven't figured it out yet, right, it doesn't work. All right, Joshua 3, 1 through 5 says this. It says, early the next morning, Joshua and all of the Israelites left Acacia Grove and uh, arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, verse 3, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your position and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, say that, since you have never traveled this way before, you have never gone this way before. They will guide you. Stay above half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. And make sure you don't come any closer. Verse 5, Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great and mighty things among you. Hallelujah. Woo! He's going to do great and mighty things. I love this because a couple of reasons. I got a whole list of them. You ready? I'm going to read them. The Ark of the Covenant represents what? The presence of God. The presence of God was kept in a box. Where is the presence of God kept now? Just put your hand on your heart. The presence of God lives inside of you. The presence of God lives inside of you. He lives, the presence of God, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, he made his home right inside of you. Right inside of you. We need a revelation, guys. We need a revelation of his presence living and dwelling on the inside of us. If we truly believe that, we would live completely differently. 100%. So the Ark of the Covenant is carried on the shoulders of the priests and goes before. They had to move positions. They had to change positions. So here, Joshua says they're going, to cross, they're going to cross the river, and he says, keep your eye on the presence of God. Keep your eye on the Ark of the Covenant because the way that you're going, you've never been before. We need to keep, in Psalm 16, verse 8, I believe it is, or 11, one of those, it says, David said this, I set the Lord 
always before me. We keep him before us. It says in Romans 8, it says to follow the spirit and not the flesh. When we're going into a place that we've never been before, we have to follow the Holy Spirit because we've never been that way before. He leads us. He guides us. We follow, right? He loves you enough to say, hey, guys, I got this. Follow me, right? We don't, we want, we don't want him to follow us. Then it says in verse 5, it says to purify or sanctify yourself. Other translations say consecrate yourself. So he was saying we need to set ourselves apart, preparing our hearts, shifting our thinking from the last season. He says, remember, you're not going this way. You've never been this way before. Consecrate yourself means this, and my translation of it means this. I believe he was saying you need to prepare yourself and get ready for what God is about to do. Because what he's about to do, he's never done before. So we prepare our hearts for that. We consecrate ourselves. We set ourselves apart. And where, where's, the, where's the battle? In the mind. We have to shift our thinking. Say, shift your thinking. <clears throat> it's interesting because the children of Israel, remember the story in the, in the Old Testament? The children of Israel are in bondage in the book of Exodus. They're in bondage. And something really cool they're in uh, Exodus 1, I think it is, that says that they got a new Pharaoh. Pharaoh came in, a brand new Pharaoh. And he realized, he looked at the Israelites, which were the children of God. He looked at them and he says, you know what? These guys are not aware how big they are. So let's make work harder for them and keep them in bondage so they don't become aware of who they are so they don't overtake us if war breaks out. Did you guys get that? Should I say it again? I'm going to say it again. The children of Israel were in bondage. A new king or pharaoh comes into being, comes, in, comes into the throne, and he looks at the children of Israel and he realizes how big they are. Pharaoh is smarter than the children of Israel because they didn't know who they were. So the king says this. He says, if they find out that they are bigger than they are acting. You guys, listen, this is a word in here. This is a, this is a rabbit trail, but it's good. Listen, the king knew, Pharaoh knew, that if the children of Israel came into awareness of who they were, they would make war and they would overthrow the Egyptians and they would win. So Pharaoh says, we can't let that happen. So before they become aware of who they are, Let's put work on them and distract them and make them heavy. They put a whole bunch of work, made them work with rocks and made them build things with rocks so that they can stay in bondage. Isn't that crazy? The, listen, Satan is scared to death that the body of Christ is actually going to come into her true identity and actually believe who she is and actually going to walk out who she believes that she is. Because watch out, kingdom of darkness, we will actually come into what we're supposed to do and destroy the kingdom of darkness. Amen? That was a rabbit trail. I got more rabbit trails than I do a message, so I don't know. Just saying. So the children of Israel are in bondage, and they're crying out to the Lord. And what happens? God sends Moses. He sends Moses in there to get him out of Egypt. Remember that? He goes and he gets them out of Egypt. He splits the Red Sea. You guys remember that? 
takes his staff, holds up his staff. Do you guys ever imagine that? You know, an, an, you ever been to like an ocean? Anybody ever been to an ocean or a sea? And you ever look at it and go, how did Moses do that? I mean, Moses didn't do it. God did it. You know, he lifts his staff and the sea, which is the sea, splits open. And it says the wind comes and dries up the mud or whatever was on the bottom of the ocean, right? Dries it up. And it says that they walked on dry ground. Isn't that crazy? Is he the same God yesterday, today, and forever? What he did for them, will he do for you? Will he not split your sea? Will he not split your circle? Will he not take care of you? He will. You have to believe. Say believe. Believe that he will. You will live what you believe. You will experience what you believe. All right. So they come out of, they come out of Egypt. They go through. They walk through the, the sea on dry ground, and they come to the other side. And it didn't take them too long to complain. I don't know about you. I've never walked on dry ground from an ocean, right? That's a pretty big deal. But it didn't take them long to complain. Why? Just because they were out of Egypt doesn't mean Egypt was out of them. They needed a mind shift. They needed to think differently. Some of you have come out of bondage. Some of you have come out of the old nature. Say old nature. We become born again. We be the Bible says we become a brand new person. But sometimes the thinking of the old person is still controlling me. So I'm unable to live in the benefits of what the new gives me because I'm still thinking like the old. Because you, you're, listen, your perception of things is what you believe. So if your perception is from the old nature, then you're going to see things through that instead of the new nature. Am I making sense? And then we don't get to walk in the benefits of that. Amen. So we're stepping into a new season in a place that we've never been before. We need to keep the Lord as our focus. Joshua gave us great instructions on how we should do that. It was Psalm 16, 8 was that verse where it says, I have set the Lord continually before me. That's also quoted in Acts. It's time that we shake off the old mindsets. Amen. The battle is in the mind. Romans 12, 2 is one of my favorite scriptures, and we're going to read that right now. Romans 12, 1, I'm going to read in verse 1 first. Amy, I can have you go to the piano because we're going to wrap her up here. Romans 12, 1, how many know that? Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to you. Where does that sound familiar? In Joshua 3, 5, where Joshua says, consecrate yourself, that's what he was saying, give yourself holy, a living sacrifice, consecrate yourself. In verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to read it in a different translation, the NCV. How many read their Bibles in different translations? It's really important to do. 
Here's a different translation. It says, so brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to him, which is your spiritual way for you to worship. This is verse two. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. For what God wants for you, you will know what good and pleasing to him and what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. How do we do this? How do we change what is in us? We change what is in us by changing the way that we think. Anybody in here listen to Caroline Leaf? I think, was it Jake that talked about it last night, about the neural paths? Nate did. Nate did. Okay, I got him confused. How many listened to Nate's message a couple weeks ago on truth? So good. But Caroline Leaf talks about that, that your brain actually, she's a, a Christian neuro, neuroscientist, and she said that when we think away, we actually make neural paths in our brains. So whether you're thinking negative or you're thinking positive, you're making those neural paths. So in order to change my brain, it's not just, oh, I'm going to change the way that I think. It's a daily, constant thing of reminding yourself what truth is. It's declaring over your life who you are. It's declaring over your life who he is. You won't know who you are unless you know who he is. Right? I love that word transformed in there. It says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing is, the, is or excuse me, the word transformation is, guess what? Oh, say it. The word transformation in Romans 12, 2, in the Greek, it means metamorphosis, which it means that we're actually changed into something different. Remember I said transition, the word for the season is transition. We're being transformed and changed into something different by renewing our minds so that we can experience what God is doing and quit being over here what he's done and over here with what he's going to do. But that we're here right now in the present experiencing his glory, experiencing his outpouring. But we got to change it up here first in the way that we think. Amen? So it says we're, it's a metamorphosis. It's being transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we new, renew our mind? With the Word of God. We renew our mind with the Word of God. We should study the Word of God. Right? But here's the deal. Studying the Word of God without the Word of God bringing transformation in your life will only make you more religious. We study the Word of God to look like Jesus. We study the Word of God not to know more information, but we study the Word and when I apply the word, that means that my life will line up with the word. That's metamorphosis. That's changing from this person into this person because of the word of God. So how many know the story of a, cat, of a caterpillar? I love this story. Oh, metamorphosis. A caterpillar. You guys ever seen this? I know some of the kids downstairs did the caterpillar and watched it turn into a butterfly. But do you know that a caterpillar has the DNA of a butterfly? So the caterpillar, you know, the ugly little, they're cute, okay. They're fuzzy, round, fat things that crawl on the ground, right? 
they're a caterpillar, but the caterpillar cannot be a butterfly. It can't live like a butterfly because it's a caterpillar, right? So the caterpillar decides it's time for me to, to die. So it finds its place, okay? You got the caterpillar. And, and how does a caterpillar see? What does it see? What is its view, a caterpillar? The ground, right? It's just crawling on the ground. So a caterpillar finds a place away, say away, finds a place away on a tree or a branch or something. Alone, say alone. So when you're with God, you should be alone with God too. So he finds his place and he spins a cocoon around himself. And so in order for the butterfly to become a butterfly, that caterpillar in there, has, it doesn't just die, but it actually disintegrates. So the caterpillar isn't in there. Are you guys tracking with me? I'm getting it here, but I don't know if you guys are getting it. So the cocoon has the caterpillar inside there. The caterpillar dies and disintegrates, and then out comes the butterfly and forms in this cocoon. And then when the butterfly is ready to come out of the cocoon, he takes his wings and he pushes open the cocoon. And if you go and feel sorry for the caterpillar and cut the cocoon open, you've just enabled him to fly. That's a message right there. So the butterfly pushes his way, comes out, and is the butterfly. And he flies around, beautiful, and he sees all the beautiful things from above, right? That is what we need to do. If you're thinking like a caterpillar, you need to get into the cocoon. This is your cocoon. If you're thinking like a caterpillar, listen, you're not a caterpillar. Say, I'm a butterfly. I'm a butterfly. Say, metamorphous. metamorphous. I'm going to get a tattoo that says metamorphous with the butterfly. You're not a caterpillar. You were designed to be a butterfly. You were designed to experience God's glory and his presence. Now, the transition and the shift has to happen here in the mind. How does it happen in the mind? Is I have to come from believing that I'm a caterpillar. Say believe. Because you're going to live what you believe. If you believe you're worthless, if you believe you never will have it, if you believe I never can, I never will, I'll never see it for myself, guess what? You won't. Stop it. Stop saying that stuff over you. Say stop it. Look at your neighbor, say stop it. You are a child of the living God, designed to be a butterfly, designed to see things from up above. You're seated in heavenly places. Your cocoon is the Word of God. Say the Word of God. I need to get away as a little caterpillar. I need to get into the Word of God, the cocoon. You guys catching me? You wrap yourself in the cocoon, sleep with it, sing it, sleep with it on your chest but not to just listen to it, but so that it will do something to the inside of you. The Word of God is designed to make you into a butterfly, not to keep you as a caterpillar. But if you don't apply the Word of God, to, you can just read it and say, oh, you know, for God to love the world, oh, that's so great, and keep living like the old man. 
This didn't do anything for you. It just made you more religious. Taking the word of God, believing the word of God, wrapping myself up in a cocoon with the word of God. And then guess what I got to do? What did the caterpillar do in the cocoon? You guys are not listening, not good listeners. No treat for you. What happens to the caterpillar in the cocoon? He dies. We die to ourselves, so we can allow who we truly are to come out. And opposition, say opposition. Opposition is not your enemy. Opposition is your friend. Say opposition is my friend. If I shifted the way that I think about my trials and my opposition, then I will go through them differently. They're meant to make us strong in our faith. You know, like Carlos, you know, he's doing that. Those things, you know, a whole bunch of weight, and he, like, dude, I don't want to show him up, so I won't do it. <laughs> Opposition and trials are designed for you to grow strong and big, to be big girls and boys. But when my perception of that is that the devil's out to get me and nothing ever happens for me, then that, the opposition doesn't do anything for you except for keep you in a pit. But when I change and shift my perspective that I am a child of God and the Bible says that all things work together for good, my God will supply all of my needs. I am seated in heavenly places. Everything that, I, everything that he has is mine. He will come through for me now what I'm going through. Now I got big muscles. Now my faith comes to another level. You guys get it? You guys get it? Does it make you excited? That we metamorphose, say metamorphose, by renewing our minds with the word of God. Listen, not to believe Jesus but to believe like him. When I believe like him, I will act like him. It's not, it doesn't do you any good just to believe in Jesus. I mean, it does do you good to believe in Jesus. But when I believe like him, I go to, I'm transformed. Amen? Why don't you guys stand up? I know a guy that fixes those. Yeah, I do. I had a bunch fixed, so side note. <clears throat> Metamorphosis. Say trans transition. Transformation. Transformation. That's a good season. We need to be aware of his glory. Habakkuk 2.14. Amen. This is a good season. Can I have, let's see, Michelle? Just to do communion. <laughs> Anna. I'll have Anna come up here. You guys over here. Bobby, you want to hand those out over there? And I'll get a couple people over here. Let's see. Ooh, I'll have Brittany and Bonnie on this side, please. You guys doing okay? I hope this encouraged you. 
so that you can metamorphose. Say metamorphose. 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 You are a butterfly. Listen, I can encourage you till I'm purple. I, that's my job, and I will encourage you, and I will love you, and I will support you. But if you're always looking for encouragement, you're never going to change. When you look to be empowered, that will cause something on the inside of you to want to change and want to walk in all that God has for you. Amen? Why don't we start with, you guys can start trickling out that way and over here by Tracy and just walk around that way. And Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, and that way too. Sorry. I'm so glad that Mark's on it. God is faithful. Has God been faithful to you? Has God been good to you? Shifting the way that we think is so important. We've got to shift from an orphan mindset to a son mindset. Listen, an orphan, if you've ever been around an orphan, somebody that has, they, hasn't had anything, they live from a place of lack. So they're always looking to God and begging God for things that God has already gave them as a son. Some of you have been begging God for things and he's like, you know what, you already have those things. It's shifting our perspective and our perspective shifts when I change the way that I think. Rod, I don't know if you've had, if there's a something, a decision or something or something. I just heard that God said he's going to work it all out. So I don't know what that means, but he said he's going to work it out. So you can trust him. Isn't that cool? You don't have to worry about it. Welcome back, Molly. Jesus, so good. guys are the most patient people in the world. If you're watching online, go ahead and get yourself some communion. Just get a chunk of bread or a cracker or a pizza or whatever. 
Hey, I've done it with pizza before. It's not what you're taking, it's why you're taking it, right? It's the purpose behind it, why we're taking communion. The Bible says that we take communion in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. And if you want to shift in your, pers- in your perspective, all you have to do is think about what he's done for you, right? Think about the price that he paid for you. He paid the price for you to have the mind like he has. You know that the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ? Did you guys know that? That's in the Bible. It doesn't say that you have a mind like Christ. It says that you have the mind of Christ. The problem is, is that we need to believe it. Because when we believe, listen church, when you believe that you have the mind of Christ, when you're thinking things that are not like Christ, then you will believe that I'm thinking wrong thoughts. And we'll take those thoughts captives and we will replace them with, remember your cocoon? What's your cocoon? The Word of God. You're going to line it up with the Word of God. And you're like, how do I know if it's God's thoughts or my thoughts? Anything that does not line up with the Word of God, anything that keeps you in a pit is not from God. Any thought should bring you up, out, and should make you feel like the most amazing person in the entire world. Those are thoughts from God. Because it says that his thoughts for you are above anything that you can ever think. It says it's more than the, the, ever been on the beach? The beach is my happy place. I love the beach. I mean, you just put me on a beach and I'm like, I love the beach. But it says that his thoughts towards you are more than the sand. You ever seen sand? Right? That's how he thinks about you. That's how he, say that's how he thinks about me. Guys, I don't know if you had a really bad dad or mom or, and you never felt, like Jake shared his testimony last night, and it was amazing. Never felt valued, never felt good enough to be loved. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you watching online that you never felt good enough to be loved or to be valued or to be cherished. So you believe that you're a stinky little caterpillar When the Word of God says you're not a little caterpillar, you are a butterfly. But I will only believe it when I I renew my mind, when I make new neural paths in my brain and keep telling myself over and over and over and over and over again until, say until, I believe it. Because when I believe it, I'll live it. And then when God's called you to do something, well, I don't think God's called me to do that. You can say, God has called me to do that. And he'll give me the grace to do what he's called me to do. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your glory that's already here. We thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is here right now, God. I thank you that you're making your people aware, that we are becoming aware that you are here. God, I thank you that we're coming up and stepping up into the position that you've placed us as children of God, access to everything that you have available for us. I thank you, God, for the shift in our mindsets. I thank you, God, for the shift in the way that we think. God, that we're not going to think that you're doing something new, that we've never been this way before. So we have to consecrate ourselves, prepare ourselves for what you are going to do, which means I change the way that I think about how you used to do things and how you're going to do things, and I'm present right now in what you are doing. 
So God, I thank you. I thank you for the anointing on these people's lives. God, I ask that your presence would fill their minds. I come against I come against mental illness right now in Jesus' name. I come against the, the battle on your mind. In Jesus' name, you have been given the mind of Christ. You need to say that to yourself over and over and over and over and over again until your mind lines up with it and believes it. Lord, I just thank you for your body that was broken for us. God, we remember and we acknowledge for what you did and we thank you for saying yes and dying on the cross and taking our shame and taking our guilt and taking our sin that we can live life full in the fullness of who you are. So Jesus, we thank you for your broken body that we can live whole spirit, soul, and body. So we thank you for your body. It was more than enough. It was more than enough. Let's take the bread. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. You have been washed white as snow. Listen, no longer are you dirty. No longer are you full of shame or guilt. No longer do you carry that sin that you gave up a long time ago. Listen, you are washed whiter than snow because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your blood. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for these people. We can have the ministry team up here if you need prayer. Coming up for prayer. But God, we just thank you for these people. God, I thank you for your kids, God, that this message will transform them, that this message will provoke in them to want to dig deep, wrap themselves in a cocoon, and live like that butterfly. So, God, we honor you this morning. We praise you. I ask that you would bless the people that are here. I ask that you bless the people online, God, that you would reveal a portion of yourself to them. In Jesus' name, that we would walk in the fullness of who you are and be aware of your glory and be aware of your presence with us and in us. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen.